everybody? How you doing? How you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Treese coming to you today with another episode of Talking to Football. A full rundown. Going to go over hard knocks, the little division preview. Uh, and let me tell you, Treese and I have done quite a bit of homework on this, and I'm pretty excited for this episode to get started. Treese, it's been a little bit since we talked. You had an amazing interview with Tony Parks, uh, a radio famous person in utah that's probably a bad way of explaining that uh a famous radio voice in the utah area riley has says hey you know we got this guy or i had this guy that does radio here would love to have him on what do you guys think we're like uh fuck it let's do it and it was incredible i got to listen back to it today as stuff was getting excited in my apartment i mean i don't know why i'm here it should just be the justin trees tony parks podcast now uh yeah it, it was a great episode right like i tony did a fantastic job we will for sure have him on again so again tony thanks for coming on we really do appreciate it um fantastic interview that's all i can say about it so um but like you said full rundown today like we have honestly too much to talk about so we're gonna just dive right into some stuff um <clears throat> i'm gonna just do a quick trisibia so in the nfl we have there are four quarterbacks ever to have over 150 touchdown passes and under 100 interceptions in their career. Can you tell me who these four quarterbacks are? So over 150 touchdowns, less than 100 interceptions. Correct. None are still playing. Um, no, that's incorrect. So some are still playing. And there's only four. Yes. So one is Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Uh, is the other Drew Brees? No. Is he the only one still playing? No, there's two more that are still playing. Holy shit. Uh, Russell Wilson. Yes, that's two. Okay. Um, Tom Brady? Nope. Big Ben? Nope. No way it's Phillip Rivers. No way. You always say Philip Rivers. He throws so many interceptions, dude. <laughs> that was the joke. That was a joke. Uh, did I say Matthew Stafford or Big Ben? Uh, you said Big Ben, and that was a no. Matthew Stafford is also a no. Okay, so another quarterback in the NFL who's been in for a while to throw 150 touchdowns, but less than 100 interceptions. Okay, uh, Matt Ryan. No way it's Derek Carr. No, it is not Derek Carr. Not Derek Carr. Okay. Um, Running through my head division-wise. Drew Brees is not on here. He is not on there. No. Okay. And let me be clear here. Derek Carr was very, very close. So just for reference, Derek Carr has 143 touchdowns and 62 interceptions. So he will be joining this list very shortly. Awesome. Okay. Uh, let's say in the AFC South. No, no. No way Ryan Tannehill's on this list. No way. No way. I love how I say no way this is possible, but with, like, the option of, okay, is it a possibility? <laughs> For, sure. For sure. Uh, okay, so Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. We said no to Matthew Stafford. Not Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. Nope. Okay. 
So back to the AFC North. Not Baker Mayfield, not Big Ben, not Lamar Jackson, L-O fucking L. Um, not Joe Burrow. Let's go to the AFC East. No, it's not going to be Josh Allen. Not going to be Jared Stidham. Well, you said no to Tom Brady, who was there. It's not Fitzpatrick? Nope. Okay. Um, NFC East. Carson Wentz, he's not on this list. He is not. Dak Prescott. Uh, no one. Alex Smith? Nope. Was he even close? Alex Smith had, um, yes, he was very, very close, actually. He has 193 touchdowns and 101 interceptions. Oh, you hate to see it. You do hate to see it. Okay. Uh, so in the AFC West, it's it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Drew Locke. It's not Patrick Mahomes. No, it's not Mahomes. It's not Carr. So in the NFC West, it's not Jared Goff. It's not Kyler Murray. It's not. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo is not on this list. He is not on this list. Then who am I missing? You want me just to tell you? Yeah. Kirk Cousins. Fuck out of here, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> um, the next one you're never going to guess, so I'm going to just say it. Jeff Garcia. Oh, I would have guessed that for sure, dude. Yeah, sure you would have. So here are the stats here. Aaron Rodgers. 364 touchdowns to 84 interceptions. Jeff Garcia has 161 touchdowns and 83 interceptions. Kirk Cousins has 155 touchdowns and 100 and or sorry, and 71 interceptions. And then Russell Wilson, 227 touchdown passes with only 68 interceptions. Impressive for these guys. Annoyed at myself that I went over Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I, I once again to... did every team in the division except that one. Like, I, I moved like, right along. Ugh. I feel like you should like read my facial expressions. When I start to smile, it means you fucked up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you ought to just like give me like motions. i like go back, go back. Hopping backwards. Yeah, maybe. I just need to – what I need to do – is just pull up the teams. Like, I need to have a bookmarked file of every team. Oh, my gosh. I do have it already. I have just not been taking advantage of it. <laughs> uh, you love to see it, though. You love to see it. You do. You do. So, um, let's talk about uh, Hard Knocks. Yes. So, episode one came out yesterday. I was fully... Anticipating being completely disappointed yet again with this show. And honestly, that might have been the best episode one that I can remember. I thought they did a fantastic job. And and don't get me wrong. There were still things that I thought they could have done better. It wasn't like this amazing show. But I thought they did a good job on bringing up BLM. I thought they did a fantastic job, and which is what I really thought why I thought this episode was good, is showing – everything that they had to go through for COVID, like all the setup and all the work they had to do, like something as simple as in the drink holder, whatever you want to call it, the little fridge using the foot pedal and 
Like, I was like, that's super creative. And I didn't think about how you could do that. Like, that type of stuff. The Rams literally just were like, ah, this isn't going to work. Let's just build an entire facility outside. The giant <laughs> 70-yard tent. <laughs> like, super cool. With two um, weight rooms. With two weight rooms. Um, Love that grown-ass men uh, playing football are as scared of the COVID test as I am. Um, putting stuff up my nose. So I love that. Um, and I loved that they actually were showing the star players and not the unknown. Like, and given the unknown players are sometimes fun, but sometimes we've talked about it, like they overdo it, right? And they started doing it with that cornerback before they got to the Jalen Ramsey segment. Like the guy that had been going back and forth between practice squad. And I was like, oh, so this is the guy. This is the guy yep. everybody's going to know his name, huh? And I still think that's going to be the case. But like I thought they did a good job of like taking it back. Like, okay, okay, you had your five minutes. Time to move on. I think, I think having two teams helped. Because you can stick to the same storyline, but you're going to get a different story with each of them. So it was, you know, you get to see Aaron Donald – not liking needles. Yeah. None of them like, you know, the acute tip being shoved up their nose. You get to see the coaches with their wives at home and, you know, their home settings and what's that been like and what do their wives think of, like, them getting to be home during COVID and now the thought of them going back to coaching. Anthony Lynn, the opening scene with him was incredible. Incredible. Like, Be ready I for chaos. Where's the fucking wall? I'm running through it, coach. Exactly. I text you literally three minutes into the episode and said, Anthony Lynn is my guy. Like, he's awesome. And you were like, dude, I can't watch it until later. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, I'm not going to say anything more, but uh, just, just shut your just, mouth. Just know that Anthony Lynn's the man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he is, though. Like, the way he communicates with his players, it, the relationship that he has with them. I don't know if anyone else noticed this. He straight up jacked. Derwin James's sunglasses. Yes. Like Derwin James is like, hey, check out these sunglasses. Da da da. like, all right, yeah, let me try them on. Tries them on and then goes, hey, uh, you think you can get me a pair of whatnot? And he's like, oh yeah, like I got a deal with him. He's like, all right, cool. Well, I don't want to get you infected, so let me just hang on to these. And he slides them in his pocket. And Derwin James is just kind of standing there, like, uh, do I not get my sunglasses back? <laughs> and he just then the camera pans away and it goes to a different spot in the episode. But I thought that was pretty funny. It didn't feel as corny, and I liked that. I liked that it didn't seem overdone or super cheesy with football. It was, hey, this is the reality. This is how it's being done. You mentioned the foot on the sliding door. In my mind, when I saw it, I was like, why have we not already been doing that? Like, why has that not already been a thing with these sliding doors? Put your foot on it. Slide it over. No, let's just put our grimy hands in the same finger slot as everyone else and push the song bitch open. Oh, you, you reached in and grabbed it? Let's close it back with our other hand. Man, we could have just been using our feet the whole times. Our hands would be so clean. Probably not, but, you know, it's a good thought. It is a good thought. We, we want to act like we're cleaner than we actually are. So, for sure. Um, I'm excited. Like, I really am excited for the rest of this and see how it all plays out. Like, it's going to be cool. Uh, so we'll see how that goes out. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but the report is – it was like 1% or a little bit less than 1% of COVID tests have come back positive so far for all of the NFL testing, which is such a fantastic sign. Yeah, uh, very much so. Going back to the hard knocks, 
I loved Chris Harris coming on and being like, go to practice, go home, go to the facility, go home, nothing else. There's called Uber Eats. You don't need to go anywhere. Like just a total vet that's like, this is what's happening. And he's like, I will tell every rookie what to do. Like we are not ruining this season. This is what everybody needs to do. So I, for some reason, feel like I missed that part. Oh, but well, I'm said glad that. to see that that was being done. Yep. So you, you need to go back. It was like right in the middle of the episode. He was on the practice field. Uh, it was like a two minute segment. So yeah, you should check it out okay. again. Uh, really, really cool stuff there. Really like seeing that. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, college football chaos, right? So, uh, Tony and I talked about it a little bit and then even more news broke afterwards. Um, so let's just dive into that. Pac-12. See you later. Big 10 out of here. Uh, they are no longer playing football this, this fall. They're going to play spring football in quotations because that's not happening. That's not happening. So, um, what's your thoughts here? Uh, before I dive into it, I want to hear what your thoughts are on those. And let's, and then we can also go into ACC, Big 12, and SEC all coming out in the last 24 hours saying, no, no it's still on. We're doing this. So I really want to know what changed in the last week and a half for these conferences to release the schedule um, or hear your players be vocal on wanting to play and then making the decision for them not to. We've there's so many players in this case, and it's not just football, like volleyball players as well. Other sports in college that have a fall season uh, that we may not be saying. That's probably the safest environment for them to be is in an area that's being maintained, where they're being tested, where protocols are being followed and that, you know, they're in a spot to care and to be responsible to make sure they don't get infected or infect anyone else around them with COVID. But now you take that away from them, and it's the confusion of you've already had these student-athletes come to campus. They've already participated in practice. They've already been tested. You've already spent money on getting everything set up and cleared, and now you just cancel it? That doesn't make any sense. Like, this sucks for Ohio State. Justin Fields, Heisman-like season is what we're expecting from them. Maybe they go win a national championship. We don't get to see that now with Ohio State. We don't get to see what the best team that maybe Ohio State's had together all the way around quarterback, receivers, running backs, offensive line, defensive line, secondary, linebackers. We don't get to see that special, you know, athleticism from Ohio State be displayed at every level. I just stumbled on my words there, but you get what I'm trying to say. We don't get to see that from Ohio State. We don't get to see Wisconsin. We don't get to see Penn State. We don't get to see Micah Parsons. You know, we don't get to see these big schools and these traditions continue on this fall. This is the first year since 1888 that was the University of Wisconsin has not played a football season since 1888. That is insane to think about. And then the Pac-12, what you talked about with Tony, the, the West Coast bias is there, or the East Coast bias, however you worded it. I don't give a shit about what's going on out west. I'm not staying up late enough to watch these freaking games. Are they good? Cool. I'm not staying up till 1130 at night to watch it when I got to go to church on Sunday. Ain't happening. Or I'm tired. I've been – don't give me that look. But <laughs> that look, you just – you stop eating your food so – you go to church? 
The answer is no. But there's other people that are, you know, that have to do that. Or they've been watching football all day. They've been drinking out with buddies. You ain't making it at that time of night. There ain't no way from the East Coast or even, you know, Central time to the West Coast games. Yeah, there's some good teams out there and there's some good traditions as some good traditions as well. But it just it sucks that this was taken away after you've already gone through what I feel like was the difficult part on getting everybody there and testing and making sure things would work. And then you just cancel it out of nowhere. We were talking about this on radio the other day when the news broke and Matt Matt Miller had a uh, a pretty good conspiracy theory slash prediction here was that campuses accepted uh, tuition money the Friday before this last week or the week before that is when a lot of these universities was kind of like accepting the, tu- the tuition from the students. And I was like, hey, we got that money. We'll be all right. We'll cancel this season. If that is the case or if it is a money thing or you want to have all the fans in the, in the stands in spring potentially, that was Melo's theory as well. I just think that's really shitty because you do this for player safety so then you want them to play with a full stadium in the spring if all this has gone by then. Hopefully it is. And then you want them to turn right back around and play in the fall? That ain't going to happen. You're going to hurt more kids than you help. I don't like it. I don't. I, something could have been done. Something changed very rapidly within a week and a half after releasing schedules and saying uh, this is what we're doing, an all-conference schedule or not, and then you just cancel it all together. I am very confused, and it is frustrating uh, that's that's ultimately my thoughts on it, is what happened. Yeah, so I'm kind of the same. Uh, I'm fr- super frustrated, uh, especially, obviously, being a Pac-12 guy. Uh, my season tickets are now canceled. My tailgating is now canceled. So, yeah, I'm super upset about it. Interesting conspiracy theory from Matt there. Um, to me, though, it also is like, yeah, they got their money there, but... It's not like they wouldn't have gotten a lot more money if football was still just played. So, oh, exactly. Um, right? So, like, I can see one part of it, but then the other part, I'm like, wait, they're still losing money, so that doesn't really totally make sense. But also, fair point, hey, a lot less headache. So, like, hey, we got a whole bunch of money, but now we don't have to do a headache, and then you cancel it. So I can see it from that standpoint. Um, <clears throat> I'm super frustrated. At, uh, Pac-12 did do a press conference yesterday. Um Sadly, YouTube TV, which is what I use, does not have Pac-12 Network, so I couldn't watch it. So I need to go find it and watch it. Uh, I don't know if the Big Ten actually did a press, a big press conference or not. I don't know if you know that. I think um, they just they released they their just press release, and that was it. Yeah. yeah. See, so like the Pac-12 did like a full-on like I think it was like an hour-long press conference, answering questions and doing like full reasonings why. Uh, for me, and maybe this is just weird, but I just know how smart – and given every university has very smart people and individuals and stuff, but like history shows that a lot of smart scientists and stuff come out of, have come out of Duke and in, in their campus, and Duke has come out and said how they think that they can figure this out and do it safe, and that is why the SEC continued to go on. Like the SEC listened to the Duke University – specialists the a- the sec or the acc acc did i say sec i meant acc sorry um so that is what that's actually what made the acc move on like continue moving was listening to those and looking at that and like everybody says this but like it is so strange that like there's different 
groups of people being in charge of certain and i get it different areas are more can be more infected or not in the united states that is clear as day but like you would think that they would all at least work together if they all can come up with their hypothesis and whatnot alone and then have one giant meeting and be like hey this is what we found what does everybody think like that seems like a logical thing to expect that i don't think actually happened um but just to move on very disappointing it is very very disappointing um it sounds like the other three conferences are going to be continuing to move on it just it's gonna i mean it's gonna make the season chaos of Mm -hmm. that top 10 like there's gonna be a lot of top 10 teams that really are like a top 25 to 30 team not you know like just losing those conferences like um they're gonna just you're gonna lose top top teams so uh that's that's enough college there so something else that happened today on the NFL side, Sean McDermott, huge extension for the Bills. Uh, congratulations there. Huge extension. Good for the Bills. Yep, he is awesome. Uh, there are reports of a George Kittle extension. Uh, it is not official or anything. George Kittle came out and said, you guys will read anything. You guys will believe anything on the internet, won't you? So uh, I don't think it's uh, actually official, but – Usually when those things break, one, it's imminent that it's going to happen. And two, the numbers are usually pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, what, a five-year, six-year, $94 million deal? Exactly. That puts them right at about $15, $16 million a year. Hey, that's that's Christian McCaffrey money. That's, you know, Sammy Watkin, people being surprised he's getting paid that much money when he first signed with the Chiefs. Like, that's receiver money. That's. That's a huge jump in the tight end market. So good for Kittle. Uh, if that's, you know, kind of the range that he gets, 49ers fans say he deserves it. Good for him. Spend your money on a tight end. Be my freaking guest. I don't give a shit. Uh, happy for Sean McDermott, though. I'm going to go back to that real quick. Happy that he gets to stay in Buffalo, continue to build that team, be a part of that. The the changing of the culture there in Buffalo, getting fans excited Back to the playoffs. Do something here this season that hasn't been done since 95. You're looking at 25 years, and that's one in the AFC East. If you can do that, I'm saying this extension is well-deserved, more than it already is. Uh, Lamar Miller has signed with the Patriots. What are your thoughts on that, Trees? Uh Lamar Miller has like the speed that like I thought Sony Michelle was going to have coming out of georgia uh it it just makes it a classic new england backfield you don't know who's going to go off any specific week but you know one of them will and i think that i mean he's coming off of a big injury so it's going to be interesting but sony michelle coming off of injury as well you have rex burkhead who was not healthy last year he had been healthy in his career just not last year you still drafted damian harris now two drafts ago in the third round who didn't really get anything last year. And then obviously you still have James White, who is probably going to be on the field still about 60 to 70% of the time. So it's going to be hard to really tell. Like I really want to say that it's going to be James White kind of being the lead. Once you get into the red zone, it's going to be Sony Michelle. When both of them need a rest, Lamar Miller will be coming in. I think it's going to be those three. Rex Burkhead trickled in, even playing slot at sometimes like how he has been. 
it's just crazy how the Patriots always seem to have a trio of running backs or at least someone to go to in a different situation. Uh, free agents. Facilities are now open for them to visit. The two big names really left on the free agent market, Jadeveon Clowney and Logan Ryan. Trish, do you think that this changes anything for them? Like getting to go on facility visits helps them change their mind? Has this been the thing that's holding them back is not getting to visit the facilities or has it been they're not going to get any, they're not being offered what they think they deserve to be paid? So I think it's the latter, but I also think that this gives them that opportunity to come in, do a workout and a team go, yes, right? Like a, a coach being like, yep, even though he's running around in underwear. Bag. yep that's our guy that's who we need jim come here where's the checkbook like <laughs> let's go let's do this like i think that it, it's an advantage for the players to be able to show what kind of athletic freak or how smart they can be logan ryan he's older in his career still athletic and stuff but like he also could be on a whiteboard in session and be like here this is why i can play safety now like i've been playing corner my whole life let's put me at safety and i'll show you exactly what i can do i can lead the defensive backfield and I can get all corners, slot, safeties in the right position. Yep. Interesting. It's very interesting on how this is going to work out. And I say that with nothing else to go with it. It's just now the question of does Clowney and Yannick Ngakwe both end up with the New York Jets somehow one way or another? Because Yannick has fired his agent. He's now in talks with Dave Caldwell. Does this somehow get your hopes up of him staying in Jacksonville? Or do you think this is Jacksonville's or Yannick Ngakwe's way of saying, I'm tired of waiting for my agent to get something done. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go directly to the general manager, try and mend this relationship the best I can and find my way out of here. I It's hard to say. So Caldwell came out and just said, hey, I'm not going to speak for Yannick. Like, doing all the right things. Caldwell's been like, hey, you guys got to talk to Yannick about this stuff. And I think – Caldwell's like, hey, I need to make sure I'm not putting words in his mouth to keep him happy. I mean, honestly, a little bit of me kind of thinks Yannick might be like, my agent may be oversold what I could get, what I could do, and how he said maybe I was in the driver's seat of this situation, and I can play hardball, and really the Jaguars organization is in the driver's seat because they can control what I do for the next two years. And maybe he's trying to say, hey, I can fire my agent, go to the GM, and I can be like, hey, my bad. Like, I, I trusted my agent to do this, and things went wrong, and I'm not happy with the way it went. Maybe he tries to save face. I don't know. And again, it could be like you said. Maybe it's trying to save face so then he can end up getting a deal right mm-hmm. somewhere else. Or maybe it's just like, I don't know what. The Jacks had already offered me $19 million. Like, clearly nobody else is getting that. Maybe I can try to save face and still get in the $18 million range. Uh, reports are already coming out. Like, they're already doing – everybody's starting to look at uh, the salary cap for next year if it drops to, like, that $180 million range, which is what it's reported to possibly do, drop about 20 to $25 million next year. The Jags are supposed to have the third most money uh in the nfl available so it's funny how salary cap again a lot of people say it's fake and whatnot jaguars went from literally the worst in the nfl last year to like having like negative like 16 million dollars to now having the third most in one off season and i mean 
Go ahead. The Chiefs went from $177 to signing Patrick Mahomes to half a billion and then Chris Jones to the 85. It's just absurd on how they figure it out. Exactly. Right. So I'm honestly, I'm just happy that they're talking. Right. Like for me, like even if it still means he gets traded, like it is what it is at this point. But I'm just happy they're talking so something can get moving. Like the the worst thing that could happen is he just stays away. Jaguars find him. They just get more mad at each other. And then it just nothing ever happens. Right. Like I just I don't want that. I'd rather. Hey, you guys make up, make a deal. Even if you just play on the franchise tag this year and then we move on and we make some sort of agreement. Hey, go go ball out this year. We will make sure that you're taken care of next year. Or it's, hey, we will get you traded. This is this is what we're asking for. You can go out and reach out to other teams and like we can we are open to making something work. Right. I'd rather that than no talk whatsoever. It's a pretty optimistic way to view that, Mr. Trees. I don't know. I mean, you're going to have. I don't even know what to say here because I'm just confused on. He's already – I feel like he already burnt the bridges. Like he already chewed the owner's son out totally. on social media. For sure. I don't – for the record, I don't think he's coming back and like everything's going to be held and he's signing a five-year deal. Like I don't think that. But I also do think that he may say the best I'm getting right now is playing on the franchise tag. Like let's get me good with the coaches. I don't need to be good with the GM this year. Like I'm not going to ever talk to him. Like if I'm good with the coaching staff, that's all that matters for one season. Like that's what I think that's more of what it's coming down to. That makes sense. Then. So let's move on. Saints have said no fans for week one. Dallas, on the other hand, the state of Texas, giving a big old F you to everything. Uh, everyone's welcome. Come on down. Welcome to the star. Uh, come on into the stadium. AT&T. We're going to have some fun. We're going to play some Dallas Cowboy football and you are all welcome. New Orleans is going, eh, we're going to hold up. We're going to do a bubble in our own little hotel that we're taking over, at least four or five floors. And then week one, we're going to do no fans, just to ensure that we're taking every step possible. Once again, Dallas, the state of Texas, we're good. Let's play some fucking football. Yeah. I mean, disappointing for New Orleans fans because that's when they play Tampa Bay. So you don't get to go see Tom Brady with the Bucks. So, but again, I think it's the right choice. So, yep. Um, interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out of who ends up having fans, who has what percentage of fans, who doesn't. It's, it is going to be a lot of fun every week to just figure out what that is. I think it's going to be fun to see how these guys play without the fans. Cause like the chiefs, for example, Chris Jones, very interactive, very engaging with the crowd during games. A lot of these players are both sides of the ball. They feed off of the crowd noise, you know, the momentum and the cheering and, you know, that adrenaline rush you get with it. You see a lot of these guys feed off of that, and it just kind of gets them going more in the game and in the rhythm. I wonder what that's like when they don't get that on the sideline. You know, they're not hearing anybody. They're not talking to the crowd. They're not talking to the opposing fans. It's football, and it's just you guys and the other team, and that's it. I really wonder how that's going to be. Or for some of these teams, one week you play with no fans, next week you play in Dallas with a full stadium. Then you go no fans, some fans, bam, you're back in Dallas with all the fans. That like The NFC East 
is in for a whirlwind depending on how each state handles the regulation of fans. I mean, because Philadelphia has already said no fans the entire season. So you literally have Philadelphia, no home field advantage at this point. Dallas has home field advantage. Road games are not scary. And for me as a gambler, this is going to make it very stressful for me. Like, usually I got to understand, and hey, Seattle, that's a very scary place to play. I'm going to be not doing, doing anything with away teams. They don't have any fans. I'm not that scared of Seattle, you know, right? Like, if if no team had any fans this year, right? Let's just say, and obviously that's not the case, but if that was the case, there would be one home field advantage in the NFL this year, and that's the Denver Broncos, and that's because of the altitude. That's the only home field advantage there would be. I didn't look at it that way. If if everyone did no fans? If everyone did no fans— there's no such thing as home field advantage except for, again, in my opinion, the Broncos because of the altitude. Sure, there's there's West Coast traveling East Coast, East Coast traveling West Coast. Sure, that is just because of the flight. But like Seattle and the 12th man or Pittsburgh or Baltimore at nighttime where it's just crazy or Philadelphia whenever. It doesn't matter if Santa Claus is on the field, right? Like you got home field advantage. Like you don't get that anymore. Fuck. Yeah. I wasn't ever looking at it that way with like the home field advantage with no fans, except for except the fact of now with Dallas. I just, of course it's Texas, like the Dallas, like, yeah. Uh, Jerry Jones here. Everyone's welcome. Yeah, exactly. Bring your friends, bring your family. Oh, you got family in Montana. Bring them on down. Bring them to a game. Oh, you got, you got family in New York. Come on down to Texas. Yeah. Forget about it. I mean, Texas, I mean, Dallas alone, the Cowboys, they might have to deal with split fan bases being in that stadium more than ever before, especially with the Eagles and the Giants and, you know, Washington, the Washington football team. Because they're not, you know, Philadelphia, those fans are going to see them in Philly. You want to see them play this year. And there's kind of high hopes for them this season if people can stay healthy. You might want to watch them in Dallas, especially if you're not getting to in Philly. Something to think about. Are you ready to go into this uh, our divisional preview? I'm I'm too antsy for us not to be in it yet. Yeah, we got to go. I I can't believe we're already more than a half hour into this episode. It feels like, and we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes of it. So let's do it. Do we? Are we doing two? Or are we doing one? <coughs> let's we are do gonna two. do two. We're, we're doing gonna do two. two. We're gonna have a longer episode today, ladies and gents. Uh. Because we had the great Tony Parks last episode, we needed one episode where we did two. I think that every episode we're going to have more and more news. So it's not like it was just today was busy news. We're going to get more and more. So we got to bite that bullet and just do two now. So we are going to do the NFC and AFC Norths today. So I want to just talk about schedules first. Let's start off with the NFC. So NFC North. Uh, A lot of things going on in this schedule. Um, do you want me to start out first here and kind of just break down what I have? Um, yeah. yeah, for the schedules, are you wanting to do it just kind of how you have it written down in the word guys? We're yes. going to figure this out live. We are. Podcast. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we're going to do it just how we have it on the rundown. So for the schedules, the NFC North 
is playing the AFC South. Just so everybody is clear, that is the AFC division that they are playing. And then depending on where they finished last year is who they play in other NFC divisions, depending on what places those teams took. So I'm going to just go in and just talk about just some things that I've talked about. So I talked about it last episode. Uh, I think that the Packers got lucky last year. Uh, again, Sharp Analytics football book. Please go buy it, everybody. It's fantastic. You read a lot into he He drops a lot of knowledge on this, and he's sold me on it. Uh, just how, like, they won basically every close game last year. And that's just not sustainable. Like, history shows that it's not. Uh, they went something like 1-6 in, in 2018 and then 7-1 in, in 2019, something like that. Like, something super dramatic. The most likely thing is they split it and go 3-3 three and three during those close games. So I think that they are going to take a step back. I think that I had a very tough time looking at the, the Bears' schedule and finding wins. <laughs> I really did. Like, yeah. At one point, I actually had them at five wins. I ended up convincing myself into a couple other wins, but there there was a point yesterday when I was going through all of this that I had them at five and eleven. So within the schedule breakdowns, I did the first five games because that's where I'm real set on. Okay, you start to figure out what teams are at this point. You start to figure out. Who's going to be good? Who's going to be bad? Who's picked up on the offense? Who's picked up on the defense? You really start to find that flow. Week six and seven, things are set in stone. That's how your year's going to be, whether you like it or not. One through five, you're figuring it out. You kind of realize who, where you're at. Six and seven is what it is. Okay. The so, Bears. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you you were diving okay. in. I was going to say, let's so you go the, through the Bears. The Bears, zero oh and five. They start off against Detroit. The Giants, Atlanta, Indianapolis, the Buccaneers, and the Panthers. I go city teams there. You're with me. Okay. You know who they're freaking playing. I don't think they win a game in that realm. Like, I don't. Against the Giants was maybe the one team where I was like, maybe they pick up a W. And then it's like, ah, maybe they don't because they don't have anything on on the offensive side of the ball quarterback-wise to match up. Yeah. So I actually do have them – beating the Giants. And so I actually have them at one and four in their first five games. So that is the difference. And the difference was for me was I actually, and I I might be in the minority here. Like I actually think the Giants offense is going to be better than what people think it's going to be. A lot of people think that they have no weapons. Like I actually like their wide receiver core. And I think Saquon as an MVP type year for a running back, I think he's uh, what CMC does did last year. And I think that, I think that, uh, Daniel Jones struggles the first like five weeks of the season uh, because their schedule is extremely difficult, which we'll talk about once we're in the NFC East. And then I think he goes on a tear. Like, honestly, I could see him having not as good, but like a Ryan Tannehill type season of comes out of nowhere and gets better and better throughout the year. So um, I'm going with one and four. So we're pretty similar there. You have them 0 and five. I have them one and four. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers. You want okay, I'm going first. Here, sorry. So, first five games for the Packers. I have them going two and three. I think they pick up a, a win against the Vikings in week one. I think they pick up a win against the Lions in week two. And then they go to the NFC South. 
Saints lost, Falcons lost, Buccaneers lost. I think they find a way to beat the Vikings just because they're young. They have rookies on the defensive side of the ball. It's a new offense. There's a new offensive coordinator. How does Kirk Cousins respond to this? It's been a while with COVID that, you know, that flow isn't there. How is Dalvin Cook? How is that offensive line? I just think the Vikings are in a spot starting off the year, kind of, you know, trying to figure out the kinks and get everything flattened out, straightened out, and ready to play for the rest of the year. And I think that's where the the Packers can go, okay, hey, let's just build off of last year. Our receivers are smarter. Our defense, you know, has got another year under their belt of playing together. Aaron Rodgers is pissed off because they drafted a quarterback. They didn't get him a receiver. Then they drafted a fullback. We don't have any tight ends. I have no one to throw the fucking ball to except like three people. You know, how does Aaron Jones do it running back? I just think that Packers start off to a, a hot start the first two weeks, and then after that, it just goes downhill. I don't. I really think the Packers have a tough year this season. I think it's. I think they have a tough year. Yep. So I'll give you my season predictions here in a minute. But I for the first five, I actually have them at one and four. Really? So, yep. I have them at one and four. Lose I have the Vikings. Them, I have them beating the Detroit Lions. Dang. So, uh, but then I have them right after that. I have them beating the Texans and then beating the Vikings at home. So I have them kind of re- losing the Niners and then going on a kind of a tear of wins uh, for the next three after that. I think November is very late November, early December is pretty pleasing to them. Um, so I do have them losing to the Vikings in Minnesota opening day. Coming back, beating the Lions, and then like you, losing to the Saints, losing to the Falcons, losing to the Bucks, and then again, I have them kind of rebounding. So tough start, but I mean, sneak peek, the the very struggling September and October makes it so they don't make the playoffs for me. But um, so I have them at one and four in the first five. Moving on to the Lions, what do you got for their first five? So. I have them going three and two, and I think they have a better year than people expect. I think Matt Patricia finally has things set to the Patriot way. I think drafting Jeff Okuda is a huge part of that. You lose Darius Slay, so you lose that noise and that disagreement that it feels like you had on the defensive side of the ball uh, within your locker room. You bring in Jeff Okuda. We've talked to his trainer, Clay Mack. Hey, loves this kid. Got a good head on his shoulders. Comes in, does things the right way, plays ball, knows how to lead. That's exactly what the Lions need, and that's exactly what they're going to get. You throw DeAndre Swift onto that offense, I think that helps out Matt Stafford incredibly just so much. I think that helps out a ton with them. If he can stay healthy, that's what this entire year rides on, just like last season. Because at the beginning of the year, they were in a lot of games. I have them beating Chicago week one. I have them losing to Green Bay. I then have them... Uh, losing to New Orleans and then beating Jacksonville. Uh, and then I have them beating Arizona as well. I originally had them losing to Arizona, but I think that they find a way to come in, to you know, make a comeback at the end of that game against Arizona in week three and pull out the win. So I'm excited about what the Lions could potentially be this season at three and two starting off the year. All right. Uh, so you and I are very similar on this. Uh, I've been going back. The, all the other games, I have the same. Arizona is the one that I went back and forth on, could not figure out who I did. And I was like, ah, what about last year? Oh, yeah, they 
tied. They tied week one. <laughs> so uh, there's that. And that was Murray's first game. Uh, and so I end up giving it to the Cardinals. And so I do have them, the Lions, going two and three to start out. But very much like the Packers, I really like the middle of this team's schedule where I think that they go on a run. Uh, I Like November. Let's just start in November. They got Colts, Vikings, Washington, Panthers, Texans, Bears. And I think that they win majority of those games. I think that they lose to the Vikings, but I think they have potential to win every other one of those games. So, I mean, because I don't think the Panthers are going to be good. That one's on the road. But the other ones are all at home. Texans, Washington, and the Colts, all at home. And then you have the Bears on the road. But they've played the Bears solid all the time. You always talk about the AFC West plays each other tough. Like, Mm -hmm. the Lions just play some teams tough. Like, they just do sometimes. So uh, I actually think that it just turns into a tough schedule to start the season. So they struggle middle of the season. They just make a run. And again, I'll get to it, but I think this, this division is very clustered that like every team has a chance when you're in December. Uh, I would say all except for the bears, which we haven't really gotten to too much yet. <laughs> uh, so let's go to down on the Texans though. I've, I'm kind of picking up on that. We don't have to take a deep dive into it, but it seems like, you're kind of downplaying this division, playing the Texans. Meaning you think I think the Texans are not going to be good? Yes. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Texans. Um, okay. I, I want to see – like it's hard, right? Like Deshaun Watson's amazing, but – and you guys talked about this on the radio today too. I, I actually think that Deshaun Watson – or I mean DeAndre Hopkins did a lot of things that made Deshaun Watson a lot better. Like, I think that he found ways to get open, and he made a lot of catches that a lot of receivers can't make. And to Watson's credit, he still, you know, thread the needle. But even when you thread the needle like that, it's still hard to catch those when you have a quarterback draped all over you. And I think that Hopkins does that. So, and again, do I love Will Fuller? Yeah, but prove me wrong that you can stay healthy. Brandon Cooks? In the end, he's only missed two games, but he's left. He's left a lot of games. He's had a lot of concussions. One hit can he can be gone. Uh, I think David Johnson looks great. I've been watching actually a lot of stuff on him. I think he looks great working out right now. But also, I do remember what he looked like in November last year when he literally couldn't get to the edge. Like, I'm pretty sure my son could get to the edge faster than what he could in November. Like, that's how slow it was. So, and then. The defense, I still don't trust the I still don't trust the DBs. I love Reed as a safety, but their DBs still are not great. They also lost Joseph, who's been the key to that cornerback room for years and years and years. Linebackers, solid. Defensive line, we know that Watt's been injured a lot. And I know he says he's super healthy and every but everybody's saying that. So it's it's tough. Like, I just don't know. I don't know if Watt is as scary as what he once – actually, I do know. He's not as scary as what he once was. He's still a good player, but I don't think that teams are scheming away from him as much as they used to. Well, there's your AFC South Houston, Texas preview. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the Bears. Who's a quarterback? Folzer Trubisky. Matt Nagy is on a hot seat. Ryan Pace, does he have a job after this year? Who – Frickin knows. It doesn't feel like they really did anything this offseason. You add Ted Ginn Jr. You add Jimmy Graham. 
awesome. What value do they provide to your team that you didn't already have? You drafted Cole Komet. There you go. Is Montgomery going to take on a bigger role this season? He should. I know that's what you and uh, Mr. Parks talked about. What's this look on your face for? You seem confused on something. You're confusing me. Well, we talked about the Bears already a little bit, but we can go over this again. I guess I just feel like I didn't get my words off the right. That's fine. Keep going. Keep going. So pretty much it's just I don't think they win any games to start off the year, and they're probably in contentions, if not the team drafting Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Because you have them going 0-5, right, the first five games. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I only have them – and I have them going 1-4. and I have them beating the Giants. So, okay. Yep, same page there. Okay, so So the Vikings. The Vikings, team we haven't been over yet. Their draft made up for their offseason losses. Great going to get Justin Jefferson. That replaced Stephon Diggs. You go get Jeff Gladley. That kind of helps you make up for the other corners and safeties you lost this offseason pretty much to the Cincinnati Bengals. You might as well call the Cincinnati Bengals the Cincinnati Vikings secondary this next year. Uh, then you get Ezra Cleveland on the offensive line, which is good. And then you get Cam Dantzler, uh for a corner. Pretty good pickup in the draft, but can Dalvin Cook stay healthy? Do you expect these rookies to take off and fill that void of, you know, veteran-like players right away? I don't, and that's kind of where the confusion is for me. You know, coming into the year with the new offensive coordinator and Gary Kubiak, you lost the one you had. Is Are you going to stick to the running game? I know he's very play-action heavy, and it works well for him everywhere he's been. But with Kirk Cousins, does Cousins adapt to that quickly? Does he like that? Does he pick up to the offense? I know that's what his career has been, you know, mostly before in Washington. And it's sort of been that way in Minnesota. Just how does that carry on with an Adam Thielen, Rudolph, and then Justin Jefferson thrown in the mix with Dalvin Cook? It could be very exciting if all goes well. But if not, they might fall apart. But I think the Vikings is are the team, excuse me, is the team to win the division. And the Lions, I think, somehow find a way either into a wild card spot or due to that extra playoff spot that the NFL is allowing, the Lions sneak in on the NFC side. On the NFC side. Okay. All right. So, what? sorry, maybe I missed this. What do you have the Vikings going in their first five games? So, I'm also just now realizing that was the one thing I didn't do for the Vikings, and I knew something looked off. So, bear with me as I <laughs> so look they play, up their I'll schedule. Just read it to you. I'll just read it to you. Tell me if it's a win or loss. Week one against the Packers at home. Uh, I had, so let me see what I had the Packers. You had the Packers I had the Packers winning, winning that. So, they're going to lose that. Uh, okay. I have their schedule here. The Colts, I think they win that. I think they beat the Titans. I think they beat the Texans, and I think they lose to the Seahawks. So, three and two. Okay. Um, uh, I have them at four and one. Yep. I have them starting. Yep. I have them starting four and oh, and then I have them losing to Seattle, but then I also have them losing to the Falcons. So they actually start out four and two. Uh, and then I actually have them losing to the Packers as well. The second matchup. So I have them going four and oh, and then dropping three straight to go to four and three. Uh, but I still do have this team winning the division. I have them winning the division at 10 and 6. 10 and 6. I have them winning the division at 10 and 6. Not too shabby, not too shabby. So I had them beating Indianapolis, the Titans, and the Texans. Yes. 
and losing to Seattle and Green Bay. Okay. Yep. I want to make sure I have that written down so I can go back to it in the middle of You're the good. year. You're good. So I have them going 10 and 6. I have the Packers and the Lions. Nope. Packers are eight, at 8 and 8. And then I have the Lions at 7 and 9. And then the Bears at 6 and 10. Oh, I don't think they won six games, dude. I know it's tough. I Again, I told you. I, I had them at five games for the longest time, and then I ended up raising it. But, yeah, so I have them at six. Um, I think that – I mean, let's just go kind of go through this. I think, again, their first five, I have them beating the Giants. And then I have them – I actually have them upsetting the Titans. I have them beating – Jacksonville. I have them beating the Lions later on in the year. That's five. And then the Packers. I had them splitting with the Packers. So, yep. That's how we get to six. You think um, the Bears split with the Packers? God dang. Yeah. I, I just think late in the year, um, it's just kind of how that division goes. They're just tough. They, they just, they always, this whole division is just, Hard to understand, especially late in the year. You know, like you, they play Green Bay in January. I just, and I know that actually the Packers are kind of built to play in in the bad weather with Aaron Jones and that running game. But again, I just think that the Packers can't win close games at the pace that they did last year. So that's yep. more of what it is. Um, okay, so sorry that one was a lot longer. So let's just go into a few other things. Uh, so you have the Vikings as the winner of the division. So do mm-hmm. I. Uh, you had the Lions second place, and I have the Packers. Yep. And then then you had the Packers, then I have the Lions, and then we both have Bears actually at the bottom right now. Uh, MVP of the division, who do you have? Dalvin Cook. Fun time. So do I. So that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what about – uh sorry best rookies and i and for just to be clear here i'm trying to stay away from like the top picks like not saying you can't choose a first round guy but for example when we go to afc north here i'm not choosing joe burrow like that's the common pick and i you know but i'm not going to choose him i'm trying to spread it out a little bit yeah spread the love i get it uh so for offensive rookie i actually went justin jefferson and then defense, I went Jeff Okuda. I just think it's going to be hard for him not to be uh, with the Lions being the third-round pick, or ex- excuse me, third pick in the draft. How can he not be? Uh, yeah. Coach of the year, I had Matt Patricia. I don't know if you did coach of the year, but I kind of did MVP, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, coach, and comeback. Coach, Matt Patricia, and then comeback, I did Matt Stafford. Okay, so, so- – I did. Um, I actually only chose two. I just chose two rookies. I didn't choose like AF or offense and defense like you did, but same thing. So I chose Zimmer as coach of the year. Comeback, I also chose Stafford. Uh, the rookie, the two rookies that I think, and again, I'm trying not to choose like the top pick, so I kept Akuda out of it. Uh, Jeff Gladney, who you brought up, I think that he makes a huge step, and then coming in as a rookie and then Julian Aquara for the lions. I think opposite of flowers. I think that he ends up coming in and making a difference. So this is actually exactly what I have in my notes for the lions. Jeff Akuta bringing a mindset to the team that makes 
that matches the Patriot way. Uh, Swift at running back is going to be special for them. Aquara is now Teresa's guy. He will be good. That's exactly <laughs> what I wrote. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so, awesome. Glad. Gl- I mean, we just talk a shit ton. Uh, that's it for the NFC North. You ready to move on to the AFC? Let's do it. Okay, I'm going to start with the Bengals. Really, first time I've seen them add to their defense in a positive way in years. Like I already mentioned, you bring in McKenzie Alexander, you bring in a Von Bell, you bring in a Trey Wayne's, you re-sign A.J. Green, you bring in D.J. Reader. Uh, that helps out the defense right away and the offense knowing you get A.J. Green to go along with the T. Higgins on that offense for Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon is in a contract here. There's a lot of positives here in the draft. Your first three picks, you took Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Logan Wilson, who I fell in love with at the Senior Bowl. Trace, I don't know if you remember that. Kid out of Wyoming. Excited to see what he can do with the Bengals. You know, as time goes on, I do think, though, within their first five games, it's going to be pretty difficult because they play the Chargers, the Browns, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, and Baltimore. And I think their only win comes against Jacksonville. So their first five, I have them going one and four. The disrespect you're giving Duval County is unbelievable right now. Please tell me you disagree. No, I 100% okay. agree. They're going, they're going one and four, and their only win is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, uh, honestly, you just spoke a whole bunch of knowledge there. Like, I agree with everything. I love what they're doing with their defense. They actually have linebackers. They actually have defensive line. They just added Mike Daniels. I mean, it's not official, but he's going to get signed in the next, like, 24 hours. Yep. Uh, Mike Daniels to add on to that defensive line, to add with Geno Atkins and – uh, Carlos Dunlap, I just love it. I freaking add Von Bell and uh, the the Hubbard kid from Ohio State, yep, Sam who Hubbard. doesn't even doesn't get the recognition. I nope. mean, rightfully so, playing in Cincinnati, hasn't been a bad edge rusher though for Cincinnati. No, he's been he's been good. He's been solid. Um, and then we all know my love for Jesse Bates. So I just think that this defense is actually. I actually think that this division may have the best group of defenses. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, other divisions that, like, from top to bottom have stud defenses. And, like, this is just a low-key good defense. I think they're going to be tough. I think that – I think a lot of these division games are probably going to be low scoring because I think the offenses may just struggle against these uh, top athletes on the defensive side. So I also have them going one and four um, in their first five games. Overall, I have the Bengals going five and eleven. Ooh, I can see them cl- being closer to that eight and eight range. Honestly, I think Joe Burrow figures it out midway through the year. Slow start, uh, getting accustomed to the speed of the NFL, not really getting a, a true off season uh, with COVID and everything going on. Or maybe he just comes in and lights it up. I don't see. No, I can't, I'm not going to say that. I see why the Bengals would struggle this year in this division, but I think they play a lot of these games closer than a lot of people are expecting, like you said, Trace, and I think this is what hurts the Ravens to start the year or even throughout the year on people thinking that the Ravens have just this easy-ass schedule. Yeah, so the reason I have them going 5-11 is kind of what you just said. I think next year is where they take their leap. We just said they start out 1-4, and four, right? I think that, that later on they still play – 
at the Colts, I don't think they can win. I don't think that they can beat the Titans the way they're built. They still have to play Pittsburgh twice. They still have to play Dallas. They still have to play Baltimore again. And I know I just talked about the Texans, but they still have to go to the Texans. Like, that's a lot of tough games. Yes, they get to play Washington. They get to play Miami. And then I do think that they split with the Browns. But again, that's only four wins right there. I think that all those other games are just too tough. Not saying they get blown out like last year. I think I think this team's very talented. I think that they really do challenge all of these teams. I just don't know if they're every year I feel like there's that team that like they they fight and they fight and they're like, man, they're just a little too young. Yep. They're just a little too young and they can't win these close games. Like there's always something in the middle of the fourth quarter. The ball doesn't bounce their way. They make a mental error, and they end up losing. And you're like, next year, they're not going to make that mistake. That could be the Bengals this year. You might be right on the freaking money with that. Let's move on to the Browns. Believe it or not, they have a new coach, Trees. Like, holy shit. Cleveland? Cleveland? A new coach and a new general manager? No. Yeah. Uh, They fucking do, though. Uh, but they've also added Conklin, or excuse me, yeah, Conklin and Austin Hooper this offseason to help fix that offensive line. You then draft Dredrick Wills, then you get Grant Delpit and Jordan Elliott to add to that defensive line. I'm actually pretty excited for what Grant Delpit can do this season. Just remember that name as we continue on with this episode. Uh, there's absolutely no reason for Baker Mayfield to not be good this year. No more excuses can be said for him. They paid Miles Garrett. Hopefully that motivation is still there on the defensive side of the ball and what they can be. The offense is set in stone, though. Like, there's no reason for them to not be good. Kareem Hunt is going to have a big year. Chubb is going to have a big year. Just The only thing Baker Mayfield has to do is just not fuck it up. I mean, ultimately, that's what it is. Don't fuck up. That's all your job is, Baker Mayfield. You don't fuck up and you might be good. So within the first three games of Baker Mayfield, not messing it up. They play Baltimore, Cincinnati, Washington, Dallas, and the Colts. I think they get wins in week two and week three against Cincinnati and Washington. And then I think they get another win in week five against the Colts. I think their offense is going to be too much to handle for that Colts defense. But it's going to be a good game between Dallas and Baltimore week one and week four. I know I'm all over the place there. Hopefully you're following along. But. I just think to start the year, it's going to be okay. Baltimore's defense is just, there's too many veterans. They just have too much figured out there for us to get over the hump. And then when you play Dallas, that's just a complete team. It's hard to beat a complete team when your defense isn't as complete as what your offense is. That's kind of my mindset with the Browns. Starting the year off three and two, though, not bad. I'm going to say it again, though. Baker Mayfield, don't fuck it up. There we go. I also have them going three and two and also winning the same exact games. So we have that. I have them going eight and eight on the season. Ooh. I don't know why I'm acting that surprised because the way I have my division set up or the division set up as well, it's a possibility because I don't think they're beating the Ravens or Steelers twice. Bingo. (laughs) That's it, right? So I think that they – I think that they end up going what do I have? I think I had them going two and four in the division and then just winning a whole bunch of non division games. I think that they can we already talked about it, right? Redskins or sorry, not the Redskins, just Washington. 
This schedule still says that name, which is just wow. All right. So Washington, have them beating the Colts. I actually have them beating the Raiders. I actually have them going to Philadelphia and winning. I think the style of play, yes. And I love Philadelphia. I think that this is – Philadelphia always has that slip-up game. I love the way you say Philadelphia. Wrong? Just say it again. Philadelphia? Is that wrong? Oh, okay. Philadelphia. The Eagles. The Eagles. Philadelphia. uh, They always have that slip-up game. They did it. They lost to the Miami Dolphins last year. Um, And then I think they'll. Patriots. That's also true. Uh, Jacksonville. And then late in the year, they get to play back-to-back games in New York where they won't have to travel twice. They'll just stay there. They play the Giants and then the Jets back-to-back. So that's how I get them to 8-8. Eight and eight. So pretty good year. Uh, I know that Browns fans are probably wanting that extra win or two to make it so you're in the playoffs. But I think there's – a lot of people are saying the AFC, like the NFC has better teams. When I was going through this, I'm like, AFC has some damn good teams. Every division has yeah. a team where I'm like, holy shit, you, this team's good. So I think, for the I think it was Matt or Mello said that the, a couple weeks ago on radio, and I was just kind of like, I don't know, Jim. Like, AFC's pretty fucking good. Pretty yeah. set. But to each their own, I guess. Uh, let's. I want you to start with the Ravens. I've been starting yeah. with every team here. Let's mix it up. All right. So they have this quarterback who's pretty good. Um possibly the only player in NFL history to have a thousand rushing yards and 30 touchdown passes in the same season. Um, just the only player in the hundred years of the NFL to ever do that. So pr- to me, that's a pretty impressive year and stat and this is probably why you don't go first. probably deserves to be that MVP. Um, I would like a formal apology from, and because I haven't asked for it yet. I'm going to just do it now. From everybody that gave me shit last year at this time when I said the Ravens were winning this division. Um, and everybody was begging for me to bet them. And I didn't out of respect because I didn't want to take your guys' money. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome. So This fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. Here we go. So I have them beating the Browns in a very tough game opening day. I think it's going to be very tough. Uh, I have them beating the Texans. I then have them losing to Kansas City on the Monday night game. And then I have them beating Washington. And then I have them beating the Bengals starting out four and one. Wow. So. Sorry. Can I say one more thing before I stop? Just because I want to like not say this. This defense is going to be so nasty this year. Like adding Calais Campbell and then adding Patrick Queen and you get to keep that defensive backfield just there, which was the reason why I had them winning the division last year was just because of how good their DBs were. Like, I think this team is going to be outstanding again. And I always laugh at people that say they predict their team's going to go undefeated or even one loss just because like. The NFL is just so tough that that just like doesn't really happen anymore. Even at the end of the year, like if you're that good, you're sitting guys and your team, the team's going to lose. So I just don't believe in the undefeated year predictions or even the one loss year predictions because it's just so unlikely. Sorry. Go on. Are you done? Yes, I'm done. All right. So the fucking Ravens. No, here we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
is Lamar going to repeat a the spectacular season that he had the year before? Most likely not. I like to think that defensive coordinators have spent this offseason watching Lamar Jackson and maybe have listened to me on this podcast or the radio show that I'm on every weekday from 2 to 4. Uh, and I have given you the solution on how to slow down Lamar Jackson. You're not going to stop him, but you can slow him down. And then when you get to the red zone, just bend, but don't break. Just like I said with Baker, you don't fuck it up. So the Ravens adding Calais Campbell to this defense is huge. They're, they're going to be so good, like Tree said. There's no reason for me to get in that anymore. Back to this offense, though. J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. That's going to be a fun one-two punch to see with Baltimore. And then Hollywood Brown. It turns out I think I have a, a – I don't – I don't think I have. I have a buddy who is a huge Ravens fan, and he told me that uh, Hollywood Brown put on like a true 20 pounds this offseason. I've seen reports of it as well that he gained like 15 pounds a month, like 10, 15 pounds of muscle. Uh, but, you know, he was make, he made sure to put on some extra weight as well to the last through the season. That's huge for him. If he can take that next step, who knows what this offense could be with that defense giving the getting the ball back to them creating turnovers if possible because they're so good at every level. The defensive line is massive. The secondary is fast and experienced, and the linebackers got even faster with Patrick Queen being there if he transitions to the NFL like he did at LSU the year before. So within that, for the Ravens in saying, I think they start off the year 3-2. and two. I think they beat Cleveland. I think they then lose to Houston, who plays Kansas City week one in Kansas City. I think the Texans are pissed that they lose that game. They come in against Baltimore. They find a way to win. Kansas City then comes into Baltimore, is tired of hearing about Lamar Jackson and how good Baltimore is. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. Here comes that defense. Bam, they get a W. Then Baltimore travels to Washington. They beat them, and then they beat Cincinnati. Excuse me, and then they beat Cincinnati. I think the the Ravens start 3-2, and two, but like we've talked about with the rest of this division, the Bengals are going to play you a lot closer. They're more experienced. they got a better defense. The Browns, they fixed their offensive line. Baker Mayfield knows I can't be as predictable against this defense or I'm going to get eaten alive. The, the Browns' defense, I think, has enough size and speed on it to face against Lamar Jackson in a way to slow him down and still cover their receivers down the field or handle the run defense that, you know, the Ravens, the run offense that the Ravens have. I'm excited to see what this division can be. And a team that I haven't even mentioned yet is the Steelers. Am I fine to transition into the Steelers right here, Treese? Uh, give me one second. So what do you think overall? The And I know you didn't do the whole thing, but like general area, what do you think the Ravens end up? What's our record? I wouldn't be surprised if they lose four or five games. So oh. 11 and 5, 12 and 4, which is is a great season. Yeah, I, so you know, for record, I, I have, also would be surprised if they went 10 and 6. I would be shocked. Absolutely shocked if they went 10 and 6. Like I'll pay I'll pay you $100. Okay. Um I have them at 12 and 4. I have them losing to Kansas City. I have them losing to the Steelers one time. I have them losing to the Titans again, and then I have them losing to the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys defensive line will be fine against the run game. Right. Like the the my worry with the Cowboys is their DBs, and I yep. think that like up front the Cowboys are solid. Uh, so that's why I have the Cowboys winning that game. 
All right. That's good. Sorry, now you can go to the Steelers. So, Big Ben is back. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's back healthy. James Washington, excited to see it. Deontay, excuse me. Yeah, Deontay Washington. Who, no, Deontay no. Johnson. Thank you. I knew I messed up one of the names. Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, Eric Ebron is there. You drafted Chase Claypool. Holy smokes. The, the receiving core for Big Ben is something to be excited about. How deadly is Johnson and Juju going to be together with an Eric Ebron who has gotten healthier this offseason, who looks to be skinnier? Can James Conner stay healthy? Those are the questions that I have within that. That's probably the only question that I have for this team. Can James Conner and Big Ben stay healthy? If they can, look out because they're running this division. You added Mika Fitzpatrick to that defense, they get a whole offseason together. Holy shit. Then you add Alex, uh, excuse me, Alex Highsmith to that defense to go along with Devin Bush. You get that edge rush. Devin Bush gets another year of experience there. Anthony McFarlane on that offense. He could potentially be that future running back for the Steelers. It's something that I'm excited about for them. But again, it all rides on the health of Big Ben. And within their first five games, they're going four and one. They're beating the Giants. They're beating Denver. They're going to lose to Houston. They're then going to go beat Nashville, Tennessee, and then they're going to go beat Philadelphia as well. Pittsburgh Steelers run this division. They're back on top. If Big Ben's, if, and that's a huge if, if Big Ben stays healthy. All right, so what's our bet here? And I'll give, it, I'll give you the Big Ben has to start 15 games. Deal. Uh, what's our bet? I don't like doing money. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do money. Hundred dollars. Right. Is that the hundred dollar bet? Then my previous, I'll give you a hundred dollars if they go ten and six. No. Two okay, so two, two different bets. Okay. Do you want to do money or do you want to do something else? Let's not do money. I don't like us doing money that way. Yeah, me I like either. I like something being on the line. We'll think about it. We'll, we'll decide. This is the this is the mustache bet. You gotta dye your mustache. Okay, done. Okay. Gotta dye your mustache, and it is if the Steelers win the division, I do. If the Ravens do, you have to. But the caveat is Big Ben has to start fifteen at least fifteen games, so he can miss one game. So yep. he has to start fifteen games. If he starts less than that. The bet in all is voided. That's going to be tough. Cause let's say he, he sits out a week and then, you know, they're doing so at the end of the year. They have him sit out because they don't need him before the playoffs. If, they, if he's sitting out, they they have the division wrapped up. They're not going to exactly. sit him. They don't have the division wrapped but, up. But let's say he gets he, he's missed another game or two to an injury. That means the bet's voided, but they still win. That's where my hit. Got it. Got it. Okay. We'll we'll come up with the parameters. We'll figure it out. Because also, like, if Lamar Jackson goes down for 12 weeks, that also is a thing, right? Oh, darn it. So, okay, we'll talk about it. Um, Let's move on. So, I also have them going four. Nope. I have them going three and two. And I have them losing to Houston as well and to the Eagles. So, the Eagles was a tough one. It was, right? I went back and forth on that one. 
So, but I feel like I, their defense is good enough to to face up with Philadelphia, and I think the Steelers' offense is is better than the defense of Philadelphia. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's fair. It's a fair argument because I thought about it. Um, so you have them going four and one. I have them going three and two. I have the Steelers going ten and six this year. So by no means am I saying that I don't think the Steelers mm-hmm. are going to be good. I have them actually as a playoff team. So I don't know why I'm making this bet with you because I literally have them being very good. I just don't have them <laughs> winning the division. <laughs> um, okay. So you have it going, and correct me where I'm wrong here, Steelers winning the division, Ravens second place, Yep. Browns third, Bengals fourth? Yep. Okay, so we're just – Flip flopped on the top two. I have Ravens at twelve and four. I have Steelers at ten and six. Browns at eight and eight. Bengals five and eleven. All right, let's move on to some of the players. So let's talk about uh, best rookies. Best rookies: Joe Burrow and Grant Delpit. I think Grant Delpit is in serious contention for league defensive rookie of the year. Okay. I I like it. So um, I went with Patrick Queen, and then I actually did go T. Higgins. I think Ooh. that he, I think he makes just big plays. He he probably ends up with only about 500 yards on the season, but I think that he has a lot of touchdowns. I think that they focus so much on AJ Green and Tyler Boyd that. Yep. It just puts him one-on-one with either a linebacker or a safety that he can just jump over. And so I think that he – I think he makes a lot of splash plays that gets people's attention. But, like, if you look at his overall stats, it's not anything amazing year one. But, like, when he puts up eight touchdowns, right, like, it's going to be a thing. So those are the two guys I got for this division. Uh, Who do you have for coach of the year? Uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, I do as well. I don't think that Harbaugh gets it with how stacked his roster is, and I think yep. that bringing a, the Steelers back like that, I also do have Tomlin as well. Uh, what else do we have? MVP? Yep, MVP I have Big Ben, and then comeback player of the year I have OBJ. Not coming back from like an injury, but hey, it seems like a lot of people are forgetting about how good he is. Baker Mayfield, don't fuck it up. OBJ can be comeback player of the year. Uh, okay, so I have Lamar Jackson as MVP. Surprise, surprise there. And to be honest, I have a blank spot on my sheet that is comeback player of the year for the AFC North. Uh, but I do, but I do <laughs> love the OBJ pick, and um, I'll probably just. You could put AJ Green there, unless you don't believe it. No, I could. I could take A.J. Green. Um, yeah, I'm going to take A.J. Green. Yeah, because I, th- I think that he pushes for 800 yards and seven touchdowns. I think that's good enough for a for a comeback player of the year. Yeah, but I do like your OBJ pick. I think that OBJ is going to be that deep threat for that offense, kind of like Thielen was for the Vikings. Uh, they're they're going to be strictly running two wide receiver sets, so I think that's good. Um, but the problem with OBJ is he's not going to get a ton of target. Like he's going to get enough. He's he's OBJ, mm-hmm. but like they're also going to be a run heavy team where like especially for like fantasy purposes, like it can be scary to to take him just because you're depending on that big play. 
And again, exactly. when those happen, he's going to have huge 20 point games, but you have to realize he's also going to probably put up some duds where he has three catches for 25, 30 yards as well. Like it's just like huge risk reward with him. But again, he's healthy by, by the end of the season, he's probably going to have a thousand yards. It's just going to be inconsistent. Ooh. Okay. I mean, he had a, I don't think that's a hot take or anything. Like no, I don't think it is. But I'm just with all the weapons that they have now with cream, hot Chubb, you throw in Austin Hooper. I just think the ball's going to be going all over the place. Yeah. I'm sure he'll find a way though. Yeah. I mean, as he should being comeback player of the year in my mind, but, uh, is there anything else that we need to go into? This is probably longest episode we've ever had honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, get used to it because uh, shit's going to get real here for the season. Uh, super excited for it. Uh, we will be breaking down the NFC South next episode. So super excited about that. Uh, be sure to tune in and we appreciate you guys. So that's it for us. Tonight we've been talking football.